So we just read out of 2 Peter. And at the very end of this passage, after saying that God's grace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, he finishes off by saying in verse 8, If these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ is what it means to be a believer in Christ. And knowing Jesus Christ means you are neither going to be barren nor unfruitful if, in fact, you are a true disciple. All throughout the New Testament scriptures, when you read of fruitfulness or unfruitfulness, it is tied to the faith of those who believe in Jesus Christ and what you'll see. And, of course, the first time you see it is with John the Baptist in, in Matthew chapter 3. And it has everything to do with repentance and a lifestyle of repentance. And we're going to see that. The reason for this lesson and, and the next lesson that we're going to have, uh, Lord willing, next week is because of the questionnaires that you receive, the survey questions. And I want you to use this as an opportunity to reflect because there's a great means of sharing your talents that you have that brethren may not know about that you may not be using for the glory of God. Or you may be using it. We don't know about it. We want to be able to rejoice. It's also an opportunity for self-evaluation, for reflection. And how many times... I've heard of individuals in the body of Christ, some of whom have said, and it's all been tied to the church building. Oh, there's nothing for me to do. Our congregation is so large. We had about 250 in St. Louis, and about, well, about 260, 270 at one time. And, and I remember one of the men saying, there's not enough uh, for me to do around here. And I, I mean, I, I've been a Christian for about two years, maybe three by this time. And I just looked at him going, I can't believe that you don't think that there is much to do. I, I asked him, I said, is everything right here at this building? Is that what you are saying? Because that's what I'm hearing. And what he needed to know was the work of the Lord takes place much more outside the building than right here. This is just a couple of two or three hours out of the week right here. And yes, we have song leaders. And yes, we have individuals that lead in prayers and so on and so forth. But there's so much work to be done that is not pertaining to this building or to the hours of study or worship that we have. And so this is an opportunity for self-evaluation to see, you know, what am I using that God has given to me for his glory and service to his will? Those are the things that we're looking at this morning. First of all, I want you to see that the Christian's life, the life of a believer in Jesus Christ, is a life of repentance. We often hear the word repentance, and maybe um, it's just me, but it seems that I've seen it in so many other Christians that it's not just a small, minute population, that when repentance is looked at, they're looking at individual sins that need to be dealt with. All the individual sins of my life, that's what I need to repent of. And I believe that's inclusive in bear fruits worthy of repentance. And we're going to look at Matthew 3 in just a second. But I believe that John had much more than that in mind. And I believe that's what the New Testament message, the gospel message has in mind when dealing with repentance. It is a turning away from this world from which you've been delivered from. Of which you have died to. And turning to Jesus Christ and living according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
That's the repentance, I believe, that is stated. And I want us to read out of Matthew chapter 3 because this mindset was not limited in the 21st century, but we see a lot of it in the first century. This is something that I touched upon in our Bible study this morning. I want us to look at this passage. In verse 7, here is John the Baptist, and he's been baptizing a, a number of individuals. In fact, the Scripture says all Israel came to be baptized by John. Just an over blank, um, a blanket statement, if you will. But when he, that is John, saw many of the Pharisees, I'm in verse 7, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of God to come, or the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And not even now the axe is laid to, to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, there were religious leaders, these Pharisees and Sadducees, as I would mentioned in our study this morning. They made up such a small population among the Jews, but... They were the squeaky wheel. They got the grease. I mean, they were the ones that were well-known by all of Judaism. The problem with them was that many of them, most of them, had grown up with such a mindset so as to think they could rest on their lineage of Abraham. And God said, I can take these stones, which I would paraphrase as having no need for belief, because they're just stones, and God could raise up children of Abraham through those stones. Anybody just can come out of a lineage. But if you're going to have fellowship with God, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to go from the fruit you are now bearing, which these religious leaders were bearing fruit, but they were not good fruit. They had hatred in their hearts. They despised certain Jews. They despised the alien, that is the Gentile, they didn't have love for him. They did not know what it meant to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And all throughout the New Testament scripture, that's exactly what we see is this lifestyle, a life of repentance worthy of the gospel. And so the problem then, as they saw it, was this lineage being tied to Abraham. And I would venture to say that there are some in the Lord's church that somehow have it, hey, I'm saved because I'm, I'm at the right church. And guarantee you, we may verbally state my individual faith is what's going to have to meet my God, but some will have it tied to a church like, man, this is it. If you went to Revelation chapter 3 and there was a church that said, there are only a few of you in this church whose robes are white. The rest, you're going to have to repent. This congregation is not what will cause you to be saved or, for that matter, not necessarily be unsaved, so to speak, if you are in Jesus Christ. It is your fruits that you need to bear or your fruit that you will bear. And so, such is the, the dead and lazy life. If you go to James chapter 2 and you read from verse 14 through 26, remember, he was saying, you have those who say, I have my faith without my works. Then James says, 
here in my faith, faith by my works. And he concludes that sandwich conversation in verse 26 by saying, just as the body is dead, your faith without works is dead also. When there's no life in the body, it can't do anything. When you have someone that says, I believe in Jesus Christ, but you don't show a life where your faith is manifest, it's dead. It's not a living faith. And there are many who will lose their souls because they're not using what God has given. God has blessed. Just as Peter wrote this letter and saying, grace and peace be multiplied to you, it has been because God gave you everything that pertained to life and godliness. He gave you everything to bear fruit. That's what he's done for every one of us. And so the question is, what kind of fruit? You know, what was it that tells us, here is how you can manifest whether you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? And I'd venture to say that I'm only going to show you these two passages, but there are many other passages you could actually use. And I want you to think through those passages in your head throughout the New Testament. What kind of fruit is he talking about? Well, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, notice that in verse 16 of Galatians 5, all the way through verse 23 and um, 24, you have this works of the flesh, and you have the fruit of the Spirit. And he goes on and he lists the fruit. And he says, there's love, there's peace, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Of course, he's love, joy, peace... Joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, all these things are fruit. Now, mind you, they're the very opposite of the works of the flesh. Works of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you bear this fruit right here, that's a life of repentance. It's a life that has changed. I have, you know, particularly, um, I think in the jail... I probably share probably even more than over here my past as far as what has gone on, maybe from a standpoint of relating to our incarcerated neighbors. But the point being is that you get to see the heart of an individual if you would be real about it. And I've shown my heart because I would say to the ladies, and I said this on Friday to them, said I remember one time in which um, there were some people that came knocking on the door wanting to have a Bible study with me my junior year in college. In my heart, I laughed at them. In my heart, I regarded them as nerds. Outwardly, I was very respectful. They didn't know that I was mocking them. I needed a, a life worthy of repentance. It is not just an outward showing, but something from within. The heart has got to change. The outward manifestation of the inward heart is what is needed. And so what we see here is this fruit of the Spirit that says, if you abound in these, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. It is very similar to what was just read in 1 Peter chapter 5, or 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. Moral excellence is a fruit of the Spirit. As was already stated, self-control, knowledge, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and it was mentioned love again. All of these are fruit. Loving your neighbor is found in all of these things that we just read in these two passages. There are more passages you could read. And every one of them 
shows what your faith is like in real life. Not just here in a church building listening to a sermon, singing some songs, but in everyday application of your walk, you get to see whether or not you're manifesting the fruit of the Spirit or the works of the flesh. That's what you get to see. So I want to ask you, brethren, with the talents that God has given you, and the talents may be you may be able to teach, you may be very generous because God has blessed you from a material standpoint. It may be that you're very patient. Or you have some gentleness that you're able to console others. You have the right words. Not a silver tongue, but an edifying mouth. You have all these talents that God has given to you. And when you couple that with what we're talking about here, that's bearing fruits worthy of the gospel. That's the kind of repentance when John was baptizing many of the Jews who were coming out to the Jordan. That's what he was wanting to see in them. And that is why even disciples of John, when they came up to Jesus later on saying, you know, what shall we do as men in the, or soldiers in the army? Here's how I want you to behave. Tax collectors, here's how I want you to behave. And you look at it, all of these are fruit that he was wanting in them. Be fair. Be kind. Be just. When you increase in these fruits... Jesus says, you abide in me. In fact, in John chapter 15, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he says in a nutshell, you cannot do anything without me. You cannot bear fruit without me. Look at what he's talking about here. It's a lifestyle of abiding then. When you are showing kindness and love and gentleness and long-suffering and so on and so forth, which we read again, other passages, you are abiding in Jesus. You're manifesting that you are abiding in Jesus. And I want to read that passage in John chapter 15 because it is so beautiful to see the fruit of individuals who live in Jesus Christ. Go to that passage with me. John chapter 15. Look at what it says here in verses 1 through 7. And then we'll pick up all the way through verse 8. Um, or at least pick up in verse 8, I should say, with regard to the conclusion. Here we go. He says, Jesus does to his disciples. In verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Sounds like that's what God wants. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. And I'm going to paraphrase and add because he's not bearing good fruit. So he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, I add in parentheses, you will bear much fruit, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Brethren, this is no different than for those in our auditorium Bible class, what we've been studying in 1 John chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. 
When you abide in him, you ask whatever you want because what you want is to magnify the Lord. Whatever you ask, it shall be done for you. And he says in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Therefore you prove, you manifest that you are my disciples. Now, what kind of heart do you have, brethren? Because in Matthew chapter 13, remember the parable of the good soil and good so, um, the good sower, or the parable of the sower, we say, or the parable of the good soils? We have got the bad soil here where their heart is so hardened, it's likened unto throwing seed on the roadside. The birds come, snatches the seed that was, that was sown. Takes away what was given to that person. Then there are those who have a hardened type soil, but it able, is able to penetrate and the, the seed is able to germinate, but it soon withers away. And then you have those that have soil, but um, they're able to receive the word. And I'm going to, again, paraphrase because it says they become unfruitful. That means they were bearing some kind of fruit, didn't necessarily bring to maturity, but they were bearing fruit, but they become unfruitful because of the cares of this world. But the good soil, verse 23 hears God's word, understands it, just like he understands Jesus Christ, of which Peter was praying for in 2 Peter 1, verse 2 and verse 8, that you understand Jesus Christ, that you have a relationship with him, that you know him. These are the ones that bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Because that is the expectation of what happens when you abide in Jesus Christ. You bear much fruit. That's the life of Christianity, brethren. And so when the elders were asking with these questions, these surveys questions, we want to, to know that you have an opportunity to do some self-evaluation. Look at your life. Are you bearing fruit for the Lord? Are you glorifying Him in your walk? And the sermon is used as an exhortation for you to do just that. Brethren, you saw what it was like to bear fruit. And you saw Peter's words that when you abound in these qualities, well, then you are going to be very fruitful. He said, abound in these things. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful. So I'm asking you, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Good fruit or bad fruit? Because if you're in Jesus Christ, you cannot bear bad fruit. If you're abiding in him, your lifestyle is good fruit. You're living a life of repentance worthy of the gospel message. That's what Paul pleaded for all throughout his letters. That's what Peter is saying. That's what James was saying. That's what John is saying. Same thing. Bear fruit. That's your life. You cannot leave here, and I'm talking about leaving this world, without being transformed, without being converted to Jesus. Otherwise, you will have just gotten wet. Your faith would be dead if you're not bearing fruit. You cannot rest in a pew and assume salvation. It won't work that way. But you live to the glory of God and the promise is yours. It belongs to you. 
what I'd love to see is for everyone to take the talents that they've been given. And that's what we're going to be looking at next week is the talents and the amount of talents and how you use your talents. And so that will play in part with, with uh, this morning. But I want you to do that evaluation. Do it for your sake. The church is not hurt per se. The Lord is not hurt per se by you not doing it. But you bless the church. You bless the Lord in his name when you can do this evaluation so that you can grow in him and bear fruit for his glory. And we're the benefactors as a result. And the world that needs you because you belong to Jesus Christ and needs your light because you belong in him will benefit from you. So I hope that you'll listen to that. If you hear and you are not in the Lord's kingdom, you cannot bear fruit no matter how good you are because you do not abide in Jesus. If you want to abide in Jesus... Come to him this morning. Give up your life. That's repentance. Use your life for the glory of God according to his will and you will be given his spirit so that you can bear this fruit. That's the promise that was given in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Is that what you want? If you love the Lord, you'll want it. And so I'm asking you to come. And I want you to return to the Lord. Whether you've been here every single service, but you've not been here if, you, if your heart isn't right, here's an opportunity for, for us to pray for you, to pray with you, so that you can turn, return to the Lord and bear much fruit to his glory. Why don't you do that right now so together we stand and sing.